it's time to talk about buy lows and sell highs in fantasy basketball, or more accurately, which guys are trending up, which guys are trending down. What does it mean? How do we make sense of it? Michael Bolton, he's here to tell us. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and ketchup is the best condiment for hot dogs. And I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Um, quick little note at the start of the show. Let's hit 70,000 subs on YouTube. We're about four, no, 600 away from hitting that. So if you could do that, it'd be great. If you are listening to this on audio, this show, I've changed up some of the YouTube graphics. So hopefully uh, you appreciate the visuals if you are watching it. And if you haven't checked it out before, come over and have a look. And uh, if you do appreciate the graphics, hit the subscribe button. It would mean a lot for me to hit that 70,000 uh, subscriber mark. All right, we are here, as I said, to talk buy lows and sell highs with the usual caveat. There are five buy lows and five sell highs. These are not the only five buy lows that exist. These are not the only five sell highs that exist. You do not have to acquire a player on a buy low list. You do not have to get rid of a player on a sell high list. If your team is riddled with guys on the buy low list, it's actually a good thing. It means your team's fortunes are going to improve. If you've got a lot of guys on the sell high list, well, I do think your production's going to fall away. That's just in general how this works. And that's how we're seeing it. And again, when you're trading for or away guys, you don't have to do it. Make sure you're getting value. Otherwise, enjoy it. Write it out. Deal with the issue of not getting that guy at a discount. You don't pay full price for a guy who might improve, but also might not. It's a really important thing, I think, is not trading. And the thing I find strange as well is the most trade questions that I get are about people in points leagues where it is empirically harder to pull off trades because there's no such thing as a win-win type scenario. It's about what does this guy average? It's about trying to have a bet on what you think a guy's numbers are going to do, yet nearly every trade question I get is about points leagues. You don't need to do it. Points leagues and, and trades in particular, it's just it's not as um, important as you might think it is. What a great way to introduce a show where I talk about trades. But again, the major point of this show is not just trades. It's about assessing your roster, who's going to fly up, who's going to drop back down uh, with a level of uh, a degree of certainty. So let's look back two weeks ago and how we did in the buy lows and sell highs on this show. So what we looked at, these are the minus one rankings that we looked at, and these are the numbers I presented last time. The five buy lows we had, Cameron Johnson was 138th per game. Since that show, he is 75th. Big, big step up. People are very disappointed in Cam Johnson's season. I have no idea why. That last two weeks is tracking absolutely bang on what you'd expect. Devin Vassell was 154th. He's 78th per game since returning and he's coming off the bench that actually has room to improve OG Ananobi was 187th now OG's buy low has not been great he has improved but there's still a long way to go he went from 187th to 146th in the last two weeks 
that can still cut into 50th, 60th, 70th. He hasn't really taken any steps forward in terms of usage this season, but his game has got a lot of other things to come to still improve and get better. Franz Wagner was 121st two weeks ago. Very obvious uh, by low. He's now 40th since then. That might be verging on maybe being a little bit too high, but you know that's good. And then Cade Cunningham, one of the more controversial figures uh, on this show and through draft season. He was 49th in minus one rankings two weeks ago, and I still thought there was room to improve. He's 23rd since then, and I still think there's a little bit of room to improve. 23rd, minus one rankings per game last two weeks. 23rd. There you go. Um, let's have a look at the sell highs. How did we go on that? By the way, that's a that's a perfect five for five on guys who improved on their buy lows. Does it mean much? No, but it is good to get them right. On the sell high side of things, Herbalife Jones was 18th two weeks ago. He's still been good, but he's 88th since then. He is going to be very up and down because his numbers are so influenced by low volume categories, steals and blocks. You could just have a game where you have two extra steals and your ranking might change 50 spots in two weeks. That's that's the problem with heavy reliance on defensive categories in a head-to-head format. In Roto, very, very much easier to do. In a head-to-head category format, you know, because it's a weekly basis with three, four games, those lower volume categories have such large variance, you need to be unbelievably overloaded in them to guarantee yourself a win every week. That's why that I have some issues in terms of the way those rankings are presented and how I downweight things, and you want to how I how I look at that. Jalen Johnson was on the sell high show. He was 41st. He is 81st since then. And then he got injured. He played three games before he got um, injured. So that is influence there. So uh, that that looks like a win. I'm not going to really count it as a win because he was injured in that time. But there were plenty of numbers that suggested he was never going to stay at 41. So it's a soft win, but not really a win. LeBron was 8th on a sell high show. Um, he's 65th since then. There were, again, so many very, very obvious indicators that LeBron was going to fall away. It's probably swung too far in the opposite direction now where LeBron's going to push back up from here, but that's the way a lot of this goes. Jordy Clarkson, the most dog's balls of dog's balls um, sell high of all time. You were never going to be able to get anywhere near that value, but this was more just a, hey, don't rely on Jordan Clarkson to do this. It is not going to happen. He was 20th. He's 210th. Since then, with a couple of missed games in there as well. So that is a obvious giant decline. And Jonas Valanciunas, another relatively easy one. He was 37th on the back of some gigantic block numbers. Now, what has happened to Valanciunas is his minutes are up, and I think they're going to sustain really high, or, or much higher than we anticipated. But he still went from 37th to 95th over the last two weeks. And 95th, I think around 60th to 80th is about reasonable for Valanciunas rest of the season. And yeah, splitting the difference there, which is what we did, worked okay. So in the end, I think that's pretty good result. That's a 10 out of 10 for buy low sell highs. And I think, you know, let's say nine out of 10, not including Jalen Johnson. I think for the season, there's one that we've missed on. And I think maybe it was Jaron Jackson. I don't know, but it's been a very good result. That's not always going to hold, but we try to look for the things that do make a fair bit of sense. Now, what should we do? Um, Actually, let's just go and and, uh, do this now because today's episode is brought to you by the blokes over at eBay Motors. They're partnering with me at Locked On Fantasy Basketball to bring you the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether it is daily selections or scouting the waiver wire, we're going to provide you with players that are a guaranteed fit on your roster. 
And one of the guys I want to talk about here is Killian Hayes. Yes, the Pistons have a bad schedule this week like 22 other teams. But Hayes does look like he is going to stay, at least for the short term, in the starting lineup. His ability to generate assists and get steals, as well as being a pretty solid out-of-position rebounder who has improved his shooting and the usage is pretty good for a guy like him. Um, that's got a spot on a fantasy team. Now, I don't know that I'm going to be sitting here in week 12 and telling you that Killian Hayes is a guy we have to hold on to. But for now, he's a guy that we grab and we just see what direction Monty Williams ends up going with this team. So, is that going to win your fantasy championship? I don't know, but it's going to give you a little bit of a boost in the short term. And eBay Motors, they know that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And that's the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, broken roofs from fences falling on it, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. Well, I need some. I need a new roof. eBay Motors, you got that? With eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride for the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to US customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. Now it's time for me to um, to get somewhat fancy and throw out the uh, the buy the actual buy lows for wherever we, what are we at week seven. Let's take a look at what we are um, what we are looking at in terms of the buy lows, and we are going to look here at old mate Anyeka Akongwu, who over the last two weeks is 202nd in minus one ranks. He shows up as 135th on Yahoo and 163rd in fantasy points. Now, in fantasy points leagues, I'm not that interested in Anyeka Akongwu in 12 teams. I don't think there's much value in him. He's going to improve at some point. But for category leagues, there are a lot of people that are very, very annoyed with what Akongwu has been bringing. Man, you fantasy analysts, all you do is talk about Akongwu. What the biggest miss, just admit that you got it wrong. And... Um, I won't because, A, the season's not over. So I'm never going to be here and, and give yeah, tell you that I got something 100% wrong at this point or 100% right at this point because there's a long way to go. And with a Kongwu at the moment, things are looking not great. But it was encouraging. He's playing 25 minutes a night over the last seven games. But the thing that is really bizarre here, well, let's, let's look at the numbers. 8.7 points, 6.6 rebounds, 1.4 assists. Last season, he averaged 10 and 7. So it's not gigantically far off. His assists have actually improved from 1 to 1.4. He's shooting 54 from the field over the last... Hitting 0.33s, 0.4 steals, and 0.6 blocks. And therein lies the rub. Where are the defensive stats? This guy averaged two combined steals and blocks last season. He's at one over the last seven games. And for the year, he's at 1.4. He's also hitting just 54% from the field and 72 from the line. Last season, he was at 64% from the field. And this season so far, he's at 85% from the line. As you can see, 72 from the free throw line, 85 so far this season. And last season, he was at 78. So this big, big drop in his free throw percentage doesn't really make much sense compared to where he has been. Also, the blocks. This is the big thing. Over the last two weeks, seven games, he has 0.7 blocks. That's four blocks in seven games. Last season, he had 107 blocks in 80 games. This is a massive change. His block numbers are down this season. And it's not because he's playing a bunch of power forward. He played 10 minutes of power forward last game. And I think he'd played 11 minutes of power forward for the season. He's been playing at center and his block rate increased under Quinn Snyder last season. So it wasn't a scheme thing. He was increased under Quinn Snyder. He just is not blocking shots for whatever reason. And this was a guy that's always been a really strong defensive stats guy. Even as a rookie, he played 12 minutes a night, blocked 0.7 shots. That's more than he's blocking now in 25 minutes. In college, big steal on block numbers. And they've disappeared. 
This is all it takes. He gets back to 1.4 blocks, maybe 1.8 blocks in 25 minutes, gets the free throws back to 80%. He's the 70th best player without Clint Capella being traded or being hurt. It's not about Capella. I'm not, I don't stash players. I don't stash Andre Drummond hoping that Vooch gets injured or gets hurt because Drummond would be a top 40 player, but I don't do that because Kongwu provides value in backup minutes. He just isn't. And it's because the free throws are down, but more importantly, he's not blocking any shots and he has a track record of blocking shots. 1.3, 1.3, the last two seasons, and that's in 23 and 21 minutes. It just doesn't make a ton of sense that it is down this low. And then you've got the free throw percentage as well, sitting at that really low number. Let's go across now to Philadelphia. And we've got to talk about the Thick Hogsman himself, Tobias Harris, who did feature on the Buy Low show earlier this season. In the first one that we did, he was well down. He jumped back up and now he's fallen back off. Such is the uh, the problem with, at times, guys like Tobias Harris. He's 156th over the last two weeks which is 184th in Yahoo. That's minus 156th. He's 131st in points leagues, averaging 25 points, averaging 14.7 real-life points, 4.5 rebounds, and 2.5 assists. 0.83s, a steal, and 0.2 blocks. And you think about Tobias Harris, and you go, 14, let's say 15, 5, and 3. That sounds about right, I guess. That's that's Tobias Harris, isn't it? A steal, 0.2 blocks. That's about Tobias Harris, isn't it? Sort of. But why can't he shoot? He's... Shot last season from two, 57%. This season from two, 58%. The last two weeks, 47%. 10 percentage point drop. And we know the percentages impact a lot. He's at 18 points per game this season. 14.7 over the last six games. That's going to improve. All it needs is him, instead of hitting 47% on his twos, to go to 54, 55. 10 percentage points extra. This has just meant that his yeah, field goal numbers, a field goals made per game, if I just go and have a look, he's down from 6.8 to 5.2. So 1.6 extra gives you basically 3.2 extra points. 14.7 points plus 3.2 gets you back to your season average of 18 and bang, you're inside the top 70 again. And then he's not getting rebounds. 6.1, he was at 5.7 last season, 6.8 the year before that. It's not like they brought in this big rebounder. Nick Batum's not a good rebounder. Embiid's always been there. Kelly Oubre, is he going to be the rebound savior like Robert Covington? Is he pulling down millions of boards? No. Harris just hasn't got him. Four and a half over the last six games. Jump that up by another one and a half. You're up to 6.1, which is where he's at for the season. And again, bang, you're back in the top 60. This is the easiest. And he's the most unsexy bloke out there. He's a pretty attractive man, but he's an unsexy fantasy name. If you can get Tobias Harris for any top 100 player, I would do it. And I am not a gigantic Tobias Harris fan. I just don't believe that A, his field goal percentage stays this low, B, his rebounds stay that low, and then conversely, his points don't stay that low. And he will jump back up into the top 70. He'll have a top 30 run at one point where he gets a lot of steals in a week and you'll be laughing and then he can sell him off for a top 40 guy. That's how we should be approaching all of this stuff. Let's now go um, to talk about one of my favorite players on one of my favorite teams. We're going to talk about Pascal Siakam up with my Toronto Raptors. He's 120th over the last two weeks in minus one rankings. It's been a weird season for Siakam. He started out this season very strange. His minutes were low and his usage was non-existent. We went, oh, we don't, oh, well, I didn't predict this. I didn't think Scotty Barnes would be the 27% usage guy running the team. And I didn't think that Siakam would be standing in the corner. And well, I, I was right not to think that because that isn't as what happened. It happened for two weeks, but Siakam's back and he's running at 
literally exactly the same usage over the last two weeks than he was last season. 26.8 last season. And when I say exactly the same, that's what I mean. 26.8 over the last seven games. So why is he 120th in minus one rankings? 125th in Yahoo. He's 48th in fantasy points. And while 48th still sounds good, this is a top 25 fantasy point guy usually. So what's happening? Well, he's averaging 21 points per game with seven rebounds and 4.9 assists. Again, what the hell's wrong with that number? It's pretty okay, yeah? It's it's solid enough. He's shooting 10.7% on threes. 10.7. Now, he is not a good three-point shooter. Not at all. His last month is actually worse. 10.0%. He's at 19.5% from three. And again, he's not a good three-point shooter. He shot 32% last season, 34 the year before that. But that is 20-plus percentage points he needs to improve. So his three-pointers made, he was at 1.3 last season. He's at 0.4 over the last two weeks. He's at 0.8 for the season. Get that up to 1.2, an extra half a three, 1.5 points gets added on. We're up to 24 points a game. The field goal percentage goes from 45 to 48. We're rolling. Maybe it goes to 50. We're rolling. And then we're back in the zone where in a minus one setting, he's like 55th, 50th. Points leagues, he's back in the top 30. The easiest thing in the world. And this has been a prolonged shooting slump. But I just failed to believe that Pascal Siakam, a not good three-point shooter, but not a guy that's going to stick at under 20% and somehow it's getting worse. It is going to get better. If you could get Siakam in any trade in a top 90 player, top 80 player, even top 70 player, I would be acquiring him in that scenario. Because there is, so, it's, we're all about where is the room for growth? And it's here. He's going to have a run where he hits 40% of his threes for two weeks and he becomes the 20th best player and he averages 29 a game. The, there is 20 plus percentage points of three-pointers made growth. There is at least one extra three per game he's going to put up over a period of time. He's going to average 27 real-life points. He might even squeeze an extra minute out of that. He helps your field goal percentage. This is absolute no-brainer stuff. It's It shouldn't be controversial at all, even though... For 20 games, he's at under 20% from three. We've got 60 games to turn this around, and I am very, very confident. I'm very confident that we will. Today's episode is brought to you by the Game Time app. If you want to buy tickets to the Toronto Raptors fan in your life, tickets to a Raptors game, maybe maybe you want to do it for your enemies, and you want to subject them to going to Canada and to watch the Raptors. Whatever floats your boat, Game Time is going to have those tickets available for you whether it is sporting events or musicals or theater, comedy, whatever. We don't love the hassle of going to other places. This is a drag. I don't want to go to this and deal with these hidden prices and this nonsense app. Game Time solves all of that. All in pricing, the best feature they have. They put a ticket out there. The price that you see is the price that you pay. No um, Raptors trash tax on it. No transaction fee. No processing fee. No nonsense fee, whatever. Whatever the price is, is the price you pay. That is what all-in pricing gives you, and it's one of their many guarantees. Their lowest price guarantee, also another great thing. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Sometimes I forget that when I'm doing this show, just interlude time, that I'm not just talking to people who have listened to everything that I've said. So I don't hate the Raptors. I don't hate Canada. It's a bit, 
Right? It's just me playing along with something. And I think majority of people find it funny, but there's always going to be someone coming here, man, I like you, Josh, but I don't, why do you hate Canada? What's, what's wrong with Canada? I bet you had an ex that was Canadian. I don't hate Canada. It's a bit. The same with like, I did a thing about Anthony Edwards. Yes, you know, just a couple of days ago saying how he was weak as piss. And now that he's secured the bag, he doesn't want to play. He's soft. And that's why he sat out these games. It's a bit. And the bit is because last season, Anthony Edwards was like, man, I don't believe in load management. I want to play all these games. And a lot of people online were like, see, look, this is a, a real star. This is the future of the league. Not like all these other soft cocks who only play um, for money and they don't care about the game. Edwards is real. He's the one who's out there. These other guys are all faking it. So as soon as Edwards get hurt, I'm going to say, well, I guess you know, he's missing games because he doesn't care enough. Because that's what came out of his mouth. But it's a bit. I don't think Anthony Edwards is faking. I don't think he's soft. I don't think he's stopped trying because he's gotten his contract. I don't think any of those things. That only applies to Deion Ayton. I don't think any of those things with Anthony Edwards. But it's just when we have evidence to disprove things that get thrown around to uh, talk down on other people. Ah, let's have some fun. But you know, not everyone, not everyone hears all that stuff that I say, and sometimes they take it seriously. I was not saying that seriously about Anthony Edwards. <laughs> just, just to clarify that. Um, all right, who's the next buy low? For some reason, this show is taking absolutely forever. Um, let's go on to the big fella in Charlotte. It is Mark Williams. Now, Williams is 116th over the last two weeks in minus one. I was a little surprised that his name came up on this list, to be honest. I thought, okay, Mark Williams has actually been playing pretty well. Big Dick Nick Richards has been out. He's been putting up pretty solid numbers. I was shocked to see him down here. Now, Yahoo's got him 54th because, again, you cannot trust their rankings. And if you do want to believe Yahoo rankings, you have to say out loud, film a video, send it to me. I believe D-Line Wright was 50 spots better than Giannis last season. You have to say that. They're the rules. I, I do make those rules, and I actually enforce them. So he was 54th on Yahoo rankings, and he's 95th in fantasy points, averaging 30 a game. So what's going on? Why is my brain not clicking to say that, well, he has been good. What's going on here? He's averaging 11.6 points and 10 rebounds with 0.4 assists again. Seems relatively in line with what he's been doing, except for one thing. And again, we can look at this and go, well, he's 53.5% from the field. That's really good, yeah? That's a well above average. That's a good number. Wrong. It's not. He's at 75% from the line. But this is a man who takes shots at the rim. He dunks alley-oops. That's all he does. So what's going on here? He's at 65.3% field goals for the year, 53 over the last two weeks on his two-pointers. That accounts for about one and a half to two extra points, and his season numbers are at 13 and 10 on 65% shooting. So he's well down because he just cannot hit shots. So what, what happened? Well, at the rim, he is... Well, he, last season at the rim, 70% he finished. This season at the rim, or last two weeks, 19 of 35 that is not 70%. That's under 60%, which for a guy like that should be way higher. And what happened? Well, in two games out of his last five games, he's had nights of four of 10 finishing. Four of 10 at the rim twice. Twice it has happened. There's no way that that is what is going to be real. It's weird watching him go up and trying to put layups in and they miss. Just put it in. What are you doing? But it's not going to hold at that level. He's going to get back to 70% finishing. His field goals are going to go back up to 64. His score is going to go back up to 13 or 14. And he's going to be back as a 70th best player. Easy stuff. Any top 100 player you get, if someone idiotically drops Mark Williams, you add him. Any top 100 player you get back in a trade is a win. But this is just, again, the very easy, obvious um, understanding of how things improve. 
let's ride with the Bronco in Oklahoma City. This one, again, we're going to dig a little bit deeper, but again, when you drafted Jalen Williams, I think you're probably a little bit disappointed. I was somewhat skeptical about drafting Williams in the 50s where he was going. I was very cautious to say, hey, I'm not sure that those league-leading steal numbers from the last three months are going to hold because my general rule on low-volume stats is if you lead the league in a low-volume stat, expect regression the next season. Jalen Williams, Ojen Anobi, one of those was the leader in steals all season. One of those was the second half leader in steals. Both well down. The leader in blocks last season, Jaron Jackson. The second half leader in blocks last season, Walker Kessler. Guess who's not leading the league in blocks this season? Jaron Jackson or Walker Kessler. This is not a blanket rule, but it has a pretty bloody high success rate. And so use that when you're considering the value of players. Steals and blocks, if someone's leading the league, they are going to drop off almost definitely the next season. It is just going to happen for whatever reason. But we're also with a situation here with Jalen where it's gone too far. 118th in minus one rankings the last two weeks. He had had an injury, sure, but that's not really the problem here because he's come back and he's played the three games and he's only playing like 1.5 minutes fewer per game. He's 33 fantasy points, which is 72nd, 199th on Yahoo, but that's totals, right? He's averaging 18, 4.3, and five assists. Great. Five assists, great. 18 points, we love it. 1.3 triples, not too bad. He's not a high-volume three-point shooter. He's averaging 0.3 steals, though. What is going on there? 0.7 blocks, okay. He's shooting 45 from the field, 33 from the line, and 86... Oh, sorry, 33 from three, and 86 from the line. Again, pretty good numbers. The three-point percentage can probably improve, but he's not considered a 40% guy, knockdown shooter. Let's dig into the steals. What's going on? 0.3 steals over the last two weeks, which is one steal in his last three games, but even for the entire season, he's down. 0.8 steals for the year. I believe this is going to come back. Last season, he averaged 2.1 deflections per game. That translated into 1.4 steals. This season, his deflections are 50% higher, 3.1. Yet his blocks, or his steals, are down like 50%, basically. There's incongruity there. Was his steal number per deflection high last season? A little bit, yes. But you don't expect to have such a big increase in deflections, yet decreased by such a large margin in steals. You, you might think that that steal-to-deflection ratio might change, but if he's getting 3.1 deflections, you would at least think he could hold at 1.4 steals, which was in 30 minutes last season as well. There is going to be a flurry come for Jalen. If you can get him again for a top 100 player, you absolutely do it. A top 80 player, I probably would do it as well. There is going to be a reckoning with these steals, if they continue to marginalize Josh Giddy, his assists might actually stay high as well. And there's still room for his threes to improve also. There are a lot of very clear indicators here, I think, with, um, with old mate Jalen Williams. And that is the buy lows, and we are 26 minutes in. But I'm not going to cut it short. I am going to keep going. We are going to go through to the sell highs now, and let's go to New Orleans. The Pelicans won the in-season tournament quarterfinal yesterday. They are into the semifinal now, and I know there is going to be some people who are in the chat. Shout out to you blokes. Look, Josh, you're just saying that CJ McCollum's a sell high because you didn't have him ranked highly, so you're just sour. You just can't admit when you're wrong. Um, 100% not true, right? 100% not true. The way I look at things is not personal bias. It's what do I think these guys are going to project out? And CJ McCollum last season was just not... He was fucking fine and he's older and we never saw a see like 
Brandon Ingram or uh, Zion Williamson even playing last season really at all. So my projection was, I don't think CJ is going to hold with what he's doing um, in terms of usage and all that sort of stuff. And really, like, I think when we look at what CJ has done, there are ultimately very clear indicators of why this won't stick. He's 20th in minus one rankings since returning. That's only three games, but 20th. He's only played nine for the season, so it's a third of his season. 196th in Yahoo because of totals, but 41 fantasy points, which is 36th. He's not doing it by averaging 20 points per game. And I don't know that he averages 20 points per game this season. He is at 20.7 for the year, but since he's come back, 34 minutes, 18.7 points. Three rebounds and 6.7 assists. Absolutely nothing about that. Nothing about that is incorrect or unlikely to hold. 23 usage could also hold. It could come down, but could hold. He's shooting 46 from the field, 33 from the line, 100%. That could be fine as well. But he's 100% from the free throw line, and he was at 67 last season, 68 the year before that. You're going to expect him to be around 80, 78. Like, that's going to fall, but that's not a big deal. What we need to look at here is what is going on with this man's defensive stats. 2.33s, but two steals in the last three games, and 1.3 blocks. For reference, last season he averaged 0.9 steals and 0.4 blocks. So two steals in the last two weeks versus 0.9. Could you say that CJ has become a good steals guy? I guess so. But it's limited sample playing on the same team with the same defensive structure, with the same personnel, with the same coach. It seems really unlikely for a man who tops out at like 1.1 steals over his career to be a two steals guy. And going from two steals down to one steal is a 40 spot fantasy ranking difference, I would say. But it's not just the steals. He's also getting blocks. So I wanted to dig into what the hell is going on here. He averaged 1.3 blocks over the last three games. He's averaging actually 1.8 blocks over his last four games. So that's the game before he got the pneumothorax. He had three blocks. And then he's gone 1-1-2 since returning. In the first five games of the season, two blocks. Not per game. Two blocks total in his first five games. Since, since that, the next four, three, one, one, two. That's seven blocks in four games versus two blocks in five games. Do you see how wild these numbers can change? So I wonder, what I want to look at here, that BC you can see on the screen is blocks per contest. Last season, he contested 5.3 shots per game and blocked half a shot. Half a shot a game on 5.3 contests. That's about 0.9% success rate. Sorry, 9% success rate. This season, he is contesting more shots uh, over, since he returned from the pneumothorax. He is contesting more shots, seven per game. But he's also getting them at 1.3 blocks per um, seven contests, which is a conversion rate of like 20%, which is just not realistic to continue. And again, if you go from two steals down to one, from 1.3 blocks down to 0.6, you drop 60 spots like that. If I got any top 50 player for CJ McCollum, let's say top 40 just to be safe, but any top 50 guy in a trade, I would do it. He's not he's not scoring 20 a game. Look, this 18, 3, and 7 could stick. Two threes could stick. The free throws will drop. The percentages are normal. It's defensive stats, and it just isn't going to hold. I feel very strongly that he is just not going to hold these defensive numbers. It's just not going to be real. Sorry to say. Let's go up to Brooklyn. And let's go to Spencer Dinwiddie. And honestly, like I saw Spencer Dinwiddie coming in 24th over the last two weeks. Well, that's bloody high. There's no way. And then I looked at his numbers and what's actually going on here? Why are his numbers so high? And at first I was struggling. I was like, what? You know, 
am, am I wrong? Can he continue this? Is it, the, is it because Ben Simmons is out and he may never return? That's maybe, all right? He's 47th on Yahoo. He's averaging 39 fantasy points, which is 39th, averaging almost 20 points per game with five rebounds and 8.2 assists. He's at 2.53s with 1.2 steals. He hasn't blocked a shot in the last two weeks. He's shooting only 40 from the field and only 31 from the free throw line, from the three-point line, and 94 from the line. So you go, okay, fine. But there are a couple of things here. He's averaging over 37 minutes a game over the last two weeks. He's at 31 for the season. Now, I do think he can hold at 31 or 32 or 33 even. But Cam Thomas returning, I think he's going to have an impact on Dinwiddie. I don't know whether Simmons returns or when he returns. But I feel really confident that Dinwiddie's not going to hold at 37 minutes a night. It might be 34. It might be 33. I don't know. And the other thing is, is that it's a little bit hidden because you look at him and go, well, low field goals, high free throws. That makes sense. Yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie's a good free throw shooter, isn't he? No, he's not. But he is at the moment. 94% from the line on 5.5 attempts over his last six games. That is his second biggest fantasy category, just behind assists. And nothing else comes remotely close. He is being carried hard by two categories, free throws and assists. The next highest Z score is threes at 0.5, whereas these are at 1.8 or 1.7. This man has shot 80% from the line only this season. He shot 81 last season, and he shot 77 the year before that. We are talking 13 to 14 percentage point drop. And then when that is your second best fantasy category, and clearly your second best, and it goes back to being mid, which 80% is actually marginally below average this season, then you tumble 80 spots, 70 spots. Lose some minutes on that, and you tumble a ton. This guy is running at a second round rate, and you're never going to get that in a trade. If I could get a top 75 player for Spencer Dinwiddie, I would 100% do it. There's minutes volatility. There's shooting volatility. There's maybe even usage volatility, which is up from 20 up to 22. And the last three games with Cam Thomas back, usage is back to 20. So that's going to pull back down. You've probably got a couple more games to try and execute something here. But any, any top 50, top 60, top 70 guy you get for Dinwiddie is something I would be pulling off Giggity. Let's go to Sacramento. This one, um, Malik Monk is absolutely rolling. And I do like Malik Monk as a player. He has changed so much from where he was back in Charlotte, where he was obviously horribly mismanaged, but he also improved as a player. But it's also running at some stuff that I'm not sure I fully believe. The Kings rotation can be strange in terms of how the minutes get distributed. If you have a, a slow start, you get benched. And there's Kevin Herter in there. Chris Duarte was out. Not that he matters. He's not a rotation guy. But Malik Monk is 50th over the last week in minus one, 97th in Yahoo. But he's only 104th in fantasy points. So what's happening? 18 points a game, three rebounds, 2.8 assists. So I would have thought, initially I came in and saw him ranked 50th. Oh, well, he's averaging six assists. It's a weird bump. No, no. 18, three, and 2.8. He's hitting three threes a game, 1.3 steals and 0.2 blocks, 48 from the field, 45 from three and 100 from the line. So he hasn't missed a free throw in, I don't know, a bloody long time. When The last time he missed a free throw was the 8th of November when he took 19 free throw attempts. Jesus Christ. He hasn't missed one since, but he's also hitting 45% from three. This is not who he is. He was at 36% from three last season. He can be a good shooter, 39 the year before that, 40 the year before that. That's good. But 45 is very different to 40. Five percentage points on threes is a triple category influencer, and it is going to fall back down. And this, like CJ McCollum, his steal rate is unbelievably inflated. This guy is averaging 0.8 steals per game this season. Last season, 0.6. The year before, 0.8. The year before, 0.5. He's at 1.3. Because in his last two games, he's got two steals and two steals. 
That's all it takes to inflate these numbers. Instead of getting two and two, if he gets one and one, we're talking about a guy that instead of 50th, he's 90th. He should be rostered. But if I got any top 80 player back for Malik Monk with minutes volatility, steal volatility, three-point percentage volatility, it's, it's an easy situation where it's going to fall away. We're going to Phoenix. This is an in-season tournament player as well, and that's Yusuf Nurkic, and they've got a chance to win today against the Lakers and push through to a better game uh, on Thursday. Beside the point. Nurkic is a guy that you know that I've had, I guess, somewhat of an infatuation with on this channel, knowing that he had a really, really good fantasy profile. But he either could never stay healthy, he could never be conditioned enough to play minutes, or when he would do that, he would forget how to block shots. And now it is coming together. 56th in minus one ranks, 51st in Yahoo. He's 37 fantasy points, puts him 50th. So he's all around that spot. Averaging 15 and nine with three assists, 0.73s, 0.9 blocks and two steals. Oh, two blocks. 0.9 steals, two blocks. Good numbers. Shooting 52 from the field, 26 from three and 71 from the line. Again, not, none of that is outrageous. None of it is. He's playing much better. He's looking strong. But... He's also running at 24 usage and at 32 usage over his last three games. At some point, Bradley Beal will return. And in some of those games, Devin Booker has been out. That usage will not hold. The shot blocking is also well up. And while I said he's been a bad shot blocker in the past and the Portland scheme didn't help him, which is true, I don't buy that Yusuf Nurkic is a two-blocks guy. In fact, for this season, he's only at 1.3 blocks. Last season, 0.8. The year before, 0.6. The year before, 1.1. So, look, 1.3 blocks is more reasonable to me than two blocks per game. I think Nurkic is a clear top 100 player, but not a top 50 player, not a top 60 player. There is going to be a regression in usage. There is going to be a regression in blocks. There might even be a regression in minutes. The shooting, whatever. He is up at 52%, which I think is about right. That's 60% on twos for a man who's been one of the worst finishing big men in the NBA, though. Big men's? Big men's. That's not the right word. Men is plural on its own without the S. And lastly, we go to Indiana. Another team with in-season tournament vibes out the wazoo. And we're going to talk about Obert Toppin, who is 64th over the last two weeks in minus one rankings. 54th, if you look on your Yahoo app. 28th in fantasy points at 106th. What's going on with Toppin? Well, he's their starting... He got benched, remember? He got benched as their starting power forward. Neesmith came in, started one game, and then uh, Neesmith got hurt, and Toppin took the job back and hasn't seeded it. 64th in minus one. Averaging 17 points, and he's a starting power forward, averaging 2.4 rebounds. He has had... Well, not. He's had two games all season of more than five rebounds. In fact, more than four rebounds. He's had three games. A, a two games, sorry. A six and an eight. That's it. 2.4 rebounds is putrid. 2.4 assists is putrid. He also was one of the worst shot blockers in the entire NBA. Except over his last two games, he has six blocks playing as a backup center, which is sort of coming out of nowhere. He's hitting 2.33s per game over the last, um, uh, what is it, last two weeks, last seven games. He is at 0.6 deals and 1.3 blocks. Remember, for the year, he's at 0.6 blocks. He was at 0.2 blocks last season, 0.5 the year before that. He's also hitting an unfathomable 62% from the field, 44 from three, and 82 from the line. And that's 78% from two over the last two weeks. Now, he's got a pretty easy job when he's twos and Halliburton feeds him, but 78 is impossible. He's actually at 76 for the season. He was at 59 last season, 66 the year before that. He can still fall back to being very good at 67 while losing 10 percentage points, two real-life points, and 50 fantasy spots easy. And he's at 44% from three. The man hit 31% last season. 
Sorry, 34% last season. Looked at the wrong one. Is it he 34% last season, 31 the year before that, 31 the year before that, and we can expect uh, improvement. That's totally okay. But he's not a 44% three-point shooter, especially when you pair it with 78% from two for a true shooting of 75%. 75. He's not getting it done with rebounds. He's not getting it done with anything outside of outsized percentages, improved scoring, which comes from the percentages, and this weird spike in blocks that I'm guessing is not going to hold when Jalen Smith returns. Now, you have got an opportunity to trade top in here because they play on Thursday when only three other teams will. So someone might be like really interested in getting that game out of Toppin. But remember yesterday, he played few minutes in Aaron Neesmith. He played just 26 minutes. He is not this key 30-minute-a-night guy for this team, I don't think. This is a huge hot streak. If I got any standard league relevant player, I would do this trade. Top 120, I would do it. There's just so much here. The blocks, the two-pointers, the three-pointers, even the roll is not likely to hold, I don't think. And that, legends... Is going to do it for this buy low, sell high show. Did you subscribe on YouTube? You should have. What did you think of the change in the graphics? I know some of you are like, oh, I like the other one. I, I think this one looks a little bit cleaner, a little bit nicer. And I'm hoping just to improve things and make things a little bit better for the show in general. Might take a little bit of time to get used to. Guys, subscribe, thumbs up, notifications. We love all of that, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.